everybody, and welcome to Spoiler Party. I'm Claire. I'm Micah. And today we are discussing Nine Fox Gambit by Yoon Ha Lee. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but first, I'm going to share a fun fact. Right. That is highly seasonally inappropriate. Who cares? Inappropriate. Whatever. Also fake. <laughs> it has been extremely cold and rainy for mm. the past mm, infinity. Infinity, at least. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to tell you about ice cream trucks. Um, specifically. That's seasonally appropriate. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They're cold as shit. It's cold as shit outside. <laughs> um, so specifically ice cream truck jingles. Mm. Um, so I don't know if you remember that during the time when everybody was like, uh, it is time to pay lip service to racial equality. Yes. Uh, people were like, okay, turkey in the straw is racist right which like the original tune wasn't racist but then it got used in menstrual shows a lot and so like it's now kind of inextricably it's linked into racist behaviors and patterns yeah exactly um so um good humor decided to they still exist yeah they don't want ice cream trucks but they're a big ice cream truck brand right i mean sorry ice cream brand right um or like ice cream novelties especially the type of Mm -hmm. things you get out of ice cream trucks yeah um the Gee Humor Man is gone, but Gee Humor still exists. Yes, yes. Um, because capitalism sucks. <laughs> and um, they decided to hire somebody to write a new jingle. Oh. I mean, there's other jingles that are in circulation uh, besides obvi. Turkey in the Straw. But it's actually still a relatively I mean, small Turkey in the Straw is this basically like the... Well, when people think of ice cream trucks, it's like they think of, of the Turkey in the Straw yeah. or like one of a, another handful of Nightmare Children's jingles. Yes, yes. Um, so... Uh, I say people, I mean myself. <laughs> um, guess who they hired to make the new jingle? I was going to have a funny joke. But my, my, the nightmare scenario with all these kind of things is that, like, you say something outlandish as a funny joke. And then it's true. And then it's true. What's your outlandish guess? My outlandish guess. See, the problem is, I'm like, is it the fucking Wu-Tang Clan? Because it's the funniest thing, because Wu-Tang is for the kids. <clears throat> but, like, it probably is. So I'm going to guess something. <laughs> I was like, run the jolt. But they already do that kind of stupid shit all the time. They have, like, cat album. It's RZA. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And actually, it's kind of nice. Is it because, it's because Wu-Tang Clan is for the kids. I mean, honestly, we probably could play it on this because I think they released it, like, royalty-free or whatever. So mm. that all the ice cream trucks can use it. It's not, like... Look, either the song is edited in here or it's not. We'll find out yeah, later. You'll find out. We'll see. Um, Spoiler: but it, It's not. It's probably not because who has time for that? Facts. But go like, go look it up. It's not hard. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of like it actually. Google Riza ice cream jingle. Yes, yes, it will come right up. Um, you don't so, want to sing it for us? No. Okay. No, I mean it's it's sounds mostly. Yeah. It's an ice cream jingle. Mm-hmm. I cannot emulate the sound of an ice cream box jingle thing. Can you like do the thing where like you doppler your own voice? <laughs> no. Okay. Well. Um, extra fun side fact because most of the stuff, if you look up the articles on it, you're gonna find everything that I just said. But um, interesting thing that uh, is important to this is that um, the ice cream jingles, like you don't just kind of play them yourself on like a boombox. They're in like a little ice cream jingle box that's in the ice cream trucks. And so there's like one family business that makes them just completely. There used to be a competitor. They have a, monop- they they have a monopoly on the ice cream truck. Yeah, jingle. but as much as I hate uh, monopolies, I don't think I can really blame them for this one. It's who else? Who else? Yeah, it's literally just a couple. Like it's not even a, like a family run <laughs> business precisely. It's literally just them. 
Um, and like the dude wanna, inherited it from his dad or whatever. Do you want to itch it on the territory and create ice cream truck box? No, I don't. They'd probably be fine with that. That's yeah. From, from everything that um, they're they were appeared on and like the story was told on um an episode of proof which i know is where i get a lot of my fun facts these days but mm. whatever um shout out to proof from america's test kitchen it's a good podcast um about food related stuff but yeah um so they're kind of an uh, an important part of this because if they don't put it onto their machines then nobody's gonna have it anyway but they decided they did want to um they were like okay yeah Interesting. So this is the part I haven't, I've not ever thought about in my life, which is, so it's not just, I see, I figured it was like you had an official cassette tape that you had to play. I didn't realize it was like that you just, that was hooked into the sound system of the nightmare machine. But apparently there's actually a a whole specific music box that you use for ice cream trucks. I don't really remember exactly why, but I'm, I am deeply intrigued. Into the world of ice cream truck drivers. Yeah, yeah. You know who doesn't have this problem? Who? Uh, the homie with a little bling bling and a little cart. The ice cream mm. cart. I mean, dude. that's what the truck used to be too. I mean, Shave, they just have bells. Shaved ice man doesn't have doesn't have to worry about any of this stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He just roll up on you with this box of uh, definitely always perfectly legally acquired ice cream <laughs> that he sells to your kids for like 25 cents a pop even though the going rate for a lot of these things is like five dollars now <laughs> so shout out shout out to that guy yeah yeah but you have to admit the ice cream jingle box does reach farther oh it reaches way farther than the bell yeah way farther there's a particular thing about the the, the way you make the sounds that reach further and stuff whatever yeah so, so. you can get me in my in my feelings like and think oh mm-hmm I do want that always push And like out. that's the mastery of the Rizzo song, is it um or the Rizzo jingle, whatever, is that it sounds like a little more updated and stuff, but it still sounds like an ice cream truck jingle. Yeah, so you hear you hear the blinkle blinkle blinkles and, you and think, you're like ice cream. Dang. I could get some ice cream right now. I don't want any ice cream. While it's right like now. two degrees Celsius outside. It's I still cold understand as shit. why they don't switch over to being like hot chocolate trucks in the winter. Probably because it's slightly more difficult and Ugh whatever we haven't ingrained the culture but we should we should ingrain that culture into the world a truck that just drives around with a hot chocolate yeah various flavors of hot chocolate uh-huh mm. i think this is just food i think now that would end up just being a food truck where they also sell you a hot dog or some shit i, don't want I that. know like I'm, I'm sitting here and like okay i just want them to give me like hot chocolate and like sure some different flavors but still like just cheap ass hot chocolate but you know instead it's going to be a food truck with like fucking gourmet hot i don't chocolate. want gourmet hot chocolate i, I want powdered brown water right I want the hot chocolate equivalent of these shitty ice cream bars. For a dollar more, you use milk. <laughs> it's brown water. Yeah. Okay. Well, we should probably move on to talking. I don't know. That was really interesting and much more interesting. No, that's not fair. More, more such in the book. <laughs> it is rude. interesting. It is interesting. Um, yeah. That came out way more rude than I was actually meant to be. <laughs> I so, just wanted to say that I like talking about the ice cream truck. Yeah. But sadly, um, Proof already did it probably better than us. Oh. Fuck them. I don't listen to that podcast. <laughs> and we are supposed to be talking about Nine Fox Gambit. Which is a book, which, which is, is what this podcast is ostensibly about. Ostensibly, That's yes. That's fair. Yeah. All right. So I feel like we should probably at least mention it. Okay, so Nine Fox Gambit is a book by Yoon Ha Lee. Uh, according to the internet, it was originally conceived as a standalone book, but then it was like, you know what, let's just go because we're going to, I don't know. I don't know That's the reason why I didn't read that far along into it, but I'm assuming it's because trilogies are like an easier sell 
thin standalone books these days so you just mm. crank these things out and, and uh, ser- not just trilogies but series duologies quadrilogies quintologies all of them are probably easier so whatever the, whatever the hell um the leviathan wake series of books is now uh tetralogies of series each of them are a thousand pages long that's probably an easier sell uh than a single standalone book by an unknown author yeah so it's part of a trilogy um and we may or may not come back to the next couple of books We'll see how it goes. See how it goes. They're on Hoopla, so yeah. Well, a, a point in your favor is being on Hoopla, yes. which means the work for me to get the next book or the next two books in the series is significantly reduced versus me having to either check it down through the library or um, anything else, really. Yeah. Like any any other methods. Yeah. Get more challenging. Um, there's a low barrier to, barrier to entry, so yeah. Um. Okay. So. <laughs> Um, as you can probably tell, we both had kind of mixed feelings about this book. Mm. So, like, how do we want to talk about the book? All right, because, like, as you know, just going through plot by plot point. All right, so let's cut, we're not you know going what? through plot by plot point. It's I don't think that's even possible with this book. So, like, let's talk about what I liked about the book at first, though. Yes. So, what I liked originally about the book before the book, before I finished the book, was that the book has no interest and filling you in on world details it just drops you it just in. drops you in and it's yeah. like either hang with it or not nah. and i really like that because yo do i hate exposition dumps um right. not entirely all the time whatever but like there's a certain to explain the magic system of this world mm-hmm. would require like brandon sanderson to sit down for 17 pages and just explain to me that like well <laughs> you see when you eat the magic then you are able to burn the metals off to do certain types of magic fields and i'm in this shit now like i'm like 40 hundred pages into mistborn and i'm like still getting like expositions on what the fuck to do with this magic system that i don't even give a fuck about anymore um and so i appreciate not having to deal with that mm-hmm. but like so i do so i do enjoy that part right when especially, I was, especially in the beginning yeah as it kept going i was reading yeah some books well not books sorry i was reading some reviews trying to get a kind of a feel mm. for like if anybody touches on what, what yeah, you felt yeah. in better words so you could and use it seemed them. like people pretty much either love this book mm-hmm. or they hated it specifically because they found it confusing mm. so i don't agree with either of those right right i know i neither like wholeheartedly love this book um and i also don't think that it like it's Sure, if you try too hard to figure it out, like, from, from minute one, you're going to find yourself just confused. You just kind of have to kind of go with the flow for the first little bit. I mean, yeah. Look, but it, it's, it's... Everyone not. can read books the way they want to read books. Like, this is not... There's not whatever, but, like, I I find from reading on the internet a lot, uh, when we ever we talk about, for instance, like, Gideon and Harrow, those books um, by Tasman Weir and Moyer... Moyer? Anyway, I have never I've never heard it out loud, and therefore I got real fucked up for a second. Yeah, um, but like, uh, like people read books just entirely differently than I do, like just entirely differently than I do. Mm-hmm. Um, and they they want to figure like they like have very specific ideas on what a mystery is and how mm-hmm. the mystery should be solved and how the things should be laid out and like nobody wants to not nobody but like there's a lot of people who don't want to just like go for the ride yeah and then see how you feel after the ride is over right like i've signed up for this ride and so i'm cool like now obviously the book does some things that i don't like i'll i will bounce but right. like 
on the whole, the book isn't just like infuriating me with some like random nonsense. And like, mm-hmm. I will ride it out till the end and hope that like this whole thing comes together. Cause a lot of times these things do come together. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think this book comes together, but like, <laughs> I, do, I find it weird to be just so upset that like, yeah, like it's not unfolding exactly in the way you wanted to from moment one that you're just like, I'm out on this shit. This book sucks. Yeah. I mean, I think there's some merit to the, to the idea that this book is a little bit too confusing or explains a little bit too little. I'm nodding my head, which is great for an audio medium. Absolutely. Um, I think it could do with a little bit more in the way of framework. I think (laughs) I could either more framework or less techno babble. Yeah. Yeah. Like legitimately. I saw, I've seen this build as a hard sci-fi book. For who? For just because they use the word math? I guess. Um, which is, I mean, I've always kind of considered the the delineation between like soft sci-fi and like space opera and hard sci-fi as kind of bullshit anyway. But yeah, I mean, I get that Yunali is basing them off this a lot of this stuff off of real like maths or whatever. But it's still at the end of the day. It's magic bullshit. What the fuck? It's it's magic math in space. It is. Yeah. Like the actual mechanics from which the magic system operates uh, is magic. It is not like, oh, yes. Like, anyway, not important. I don't care about hard sci-fi delineations. But like, they function based on math. math In the same way. And calendars. Calendars are very important. And the belief system is very important to the world. Yeah. And then it kind of skedaddles from there. Yeah. Um, and so what this book does, this book sort of follows along a character who is uh, of like a middle manager in a space empire uh, military system or what have you, uh, who's going around to planets and fucking them up uh, in the name of their calendar god or whatever. Um, calendar man, we fucking really impressed with this with this book, though, I think. It's like, yes, this is my shit. I live for this. Shout out to Calendar Man. Um, hope he's never gets put into one of these awful DC movies. But like, um, <laughs> but like, uh, Calendar Man, uh, it's like a god here because everybody, everything, all the magic is based on uh, dates and times and figures of some sort. Mm-hmm. And uh, then the enemies use different calendars, which, cr- which, cr- which creates different mathematical effects on the war environment which legitimately is the premise for like a strategy or role-playing game yeah give me that what is the strategy of a book it's also fun yeah 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 fuck fuck me up b my issue with this book is not at all like in the basic world building oh no i'm saying like yeah like as as it's described i'm just thinking like yo that shit is cool Mm -hmm. um where the book falls apart for me is not in any, it's not in the world. Well, it's not in the main conceit <laughs> of the world building. Yeah. It's not in, um, that the, the sort of lack of explanation right. parts. It's actually in the through line plot. Yeah. It's, that's the part that like, so we have our main character, Calcheris. Yeah. She's a Cal. This is Warhammer as fuck. Um, if you're not familiar with Warhammer, uh, <laughs> imagine this, but more racist. Um, um, so it's like they're in a hexarchate. So there's like six factions. Mm-hmm. And that's part of their whole like calendrical system is that there's six or whatever. Right. Um, and the Kel are like 
the warriors, basically. Right. So we have, like, six freaking classes. Correct. Um, there's a warrior class. There's a spy class. There's a math class. It is all very... <laughs> it's like, it is very much tabletop role-playing games. It is. And stuff. It is. And in, in what I think was a good way. Oh, no, I'm not against it entirely. At first. Uh... Um, and there's the whole thing where, like, sometimes people kind of, like, cross over classes so it's not as, like, ridiculous as... Right, yeah, you can respec. You can do what? Respec, oh you know, when you... Well, you respect your classes. <laughs> anyway, um, she gets kind of, like, manipulated into taking on this military project or whatever and gets basically an undead ghost general implanted into her mind. Absolutely. Uh, Jadal. Right. Who and is, like, notoriously notorious within this society for being an undefeated general who then uh, loses control of his faculties and kills everybody. Mass. Murder on a mass, on mass, a mass scale. scale. Of and the, both the enemy and his own troops. Right. And then um, gets put into a box and they just pull him out of this box whenever they need to win a battle. Yeah. By And they pull him out of a box by grafting him into the shadow of... Yeah, basically, um, uh, Kelcheris' shadow is now a non-aid fox. Uh, yeah. Or whatever. And that's how you know that Jadao is there. Right. Um, she can hear Jadao. She can hear Jadao, but, can hear but other hear. people cannot. Yeah. But she can also see his reflection in the mirror. Yeah. No. No, she sees her own face, but his eyes... Yeah, okay, you know shadow. what? That part is not important. We're yeah. not going to spend seven minutes <laughs> getting into that. Um, so, like, this is interesting because, like, as I, as this book started, I was really enjoying it. And, like, one of the things is, like, I was kind of um, thinking, okay, this this bit with, like, an ancient memory being implanted, or, you know, relatively ancient memory being implanted in, in this person kind of reminds me of um, a memory called Empire. Right. Which I really, really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then some of the bits with the military and the wearing of gloves and, like, whatever, like, starts <laughs> bringing forth a bit of, like, um, the... Uh, ancillary. Ancillary books. The Ratch trilogy. The, yeah, the Ratch and Lecky. And Lecky books, yeah. um, which I also dearly, dearly love. And so I have all these, like, positive feelings at the beginning of this book. <laughs> and then, like, ultimately, as the book goes on, the reason why I don't like this book as much is it just... It doesn't have the moral compass that those books have. Right. Um, and, like, as the book goes on, like, you realize that the... I mean, you realize at the beginning, pretty much, that this society is corrupt and right. bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's all this talk about the heretics, and you're like, oh, okay, the heretics are going to be the rebels and the good guys. And as it goes on, you begin to realize that they're also bad. Right. They're just different mm-hmm. and not even really different they just they're, they're literally just using a different calendrical system right so they can grab power in their own way right and so then we bring in the whole jadao cheris team up thing mm-hmm. and it kind of seems like so even near the end i still i'm still feeling relatively positive about how this might be able to go jadao is clearly a piece of shit right right um and extremely manipulative mm-hmm. but there's still some sort of like thread of hope that like Cheris is going to kind of be the one to like have the strong moral compass and be like, okay, none of this shit is good. Right. And we have to destroy this all. Mm-hmm. 
and that's Jadal's whole thing is we have to destroy this all. But he is basically also cool with just mass murdering everybody. Right. So, like, I'm not cool with that. If emphatically not cool with that. And I am probably going to read the other two in this, the trilogy. And it's possible that they'll redeem this to some degree. But this still exists as a singular book by itself. Correct. And within this book, the, the moral of the story seems to basically be like, ends justify the means. And I'm never right. an ends justify the means person. No. I don't think that it's okay to unseat power by killing millions of, like, your little, like, supposedly unimportant foot soldiers or whatever. Right. Like, it makes me very angry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, like, doesn't question... It never, like... It, it, I think what really bothered me about the book, actually, is that it brings up the notions that, like, all this murder is bad and it doesn't oh, yeah. But it doesn't actually interrogate that at all. Yes. It's constantly bringing up, oh, I feel so bad. Oh, I'm so sad. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, you never... It never hurts... It never stops hurting But like the pro- you got your insubordinates killed. It never stops right. hurting that you did this. It's all bad. But there's... It's still never challenges really the idea that this is necessary correct so like what i thought was going to happen was that well one it does a thing i don't like uh but there's a not that the narrator is unreliable but like uh jadal is such a manipulator that you literally can't trust anything that he says right yep. um and so every time he's been like i feel bad i just i don't give a shit because i'm assuming he's being a yes. dick and manipulating her so like that doesn't like so the, any of those scenes are, that I guess are supposed to be like emotionally impactful just aren't with me because I'm assuming that the only reason it's happening is because he's manipulating her to do something that is wrong and bad, right? Yeah. Because he's shown to be doing that basically every time. He, yeah. Every time he ever shows any sort of vulnerability, it's always in service of getting Kel Cheris to do something completely terrible and awful, right? Um, and so uh, I keep waiting for uh, Cheris to like actually rebuke this notion or whatever and like so like part of the whole mystery thing is that like uh well he lost it and he killed all of his own troops too wonder what whatever and then you learn over time that like actually he's not crazy he was doing this all on purpose Mm -hmm. um as part of some kind of grand strategy but like i wanted someone to be like you are supposed to be like the smartest general to have ever lived and you couldn't figure out any other way than mass murder. Like you couldn't figure out any, like there was no other plan than this, like no other plan than this. Like if I understand it and like we're recording this a bit after we both read the book. So I I could be a little, a little sketchy on this. Right. A little shaky. But like the basic point of his mass murder was so that he could be uh, taken to be, both so dangerous and so skillful that they had to put him in the like black box of fake death, right. eternal life. Mm-hmm. Um, because so his idea is, I am the only one that is smart enough and ethical, quote unquote, ethical enough to want to destroy and be able to destroy this system. Mm-hmm. So I must create mass murder on the scale of millions and millions of people. Isn't it millions? It's yeah, yeah, it's, it's millions, huge. millions it's of huge. people. Yeah. Um, just so I can mm-hmm. be preserved for like eternal life, so I can put forth my grand scheme. Right. What? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It doesn't like it doesn't make any sense to me. Um. Uh. As like this, like I just don't care about anything he has to do. And then what really soured me on reading the next two books 
which again, if they want if they want a hoopla, there's zero chance of me actually reading the next two books. Um, is that at the end, uh, it seems like Cheris is basically gone as a character, and it's just Jadal taking over her body entirely. Um, with like her like riding back seat. Yeah, and, like, I was gonna say fuck, like, the, like the narrative. Fuck that. Yeah, the narrative definitely seems like Cheris is still there, but the Jadal is now taking more of like the driving hand. Yeah, fuck that. Yeah, like, and I, I'm not. I a, want. Yeah, yeah. I'm not a fan because yeah, like Cheris, I felt like was the only hope at still having some sort of like anything, any sort of an emotional compass whatsoever. Yeah. But instead, it's just like, all right, now we're in mass murder mode. Right. Um, just does not work. Yeah. I mean, and even Cherish is a bit questionable in terms oh, of... Oh, she's very questionable, but I thought the whole thing was going to be she like... She was going to develop. She was like, a, she's a soldier whose whole identity is being a soldier for this, and uh, then she has to question that stuff and then, like, you know, figure mm-hmm. out that, like, oh, this is all, like, all of it's bad. Mm-hmm. And, like, I don't even have a problem with, like, the opponents being bad as well. Like, oh, no, no, no. With that particular, like, form of storytelling where the whole system is so corrupt. That like even like the supposed good guys are bad, but like there's also, but like I do have a problem with the idea that nobody is good out there because yeah. like in the in a system like this, there are going to be maybe not small pockets of like open rebellion, but we see it like in our own world where like in scenarios where you have like brutal dictator regimes mm-hmm. and then you have like military coups against that. There's always like third and fourth like party options out there right. who are just trying to do good for people. Mm-hmm. Um, like they, ex- like they're small, they get overrun. Like there's always like government ops running against them. Uh, like, uh, but like they exist, like mutual aid societies exist. Right. Like the, like this is always a thing and stories like this, which are trying to like show, I guess like how bad like totalitarian corrupt regimes can be on a massive scale. And it's like, they always seem to forget that like somebody's out there trying to feed everybody, other people. Right. Like there's always someone out there trying to do their best. Maybe their methods are flawed too because they're stuck on a flawed system, but they're still like honestly and legitimately trying to do good as opposed to just everybody being power hungry. Right. So, you know, no, definitely agreed. Um, and all of that would have been fine if she just didn't eat the Jadal chips at the end and yeah. just become him. Yeah. Like. So she's but, now basically Jadal. And and then we kill off the one person who I thought was going to be kind of an interesting, I don't know, not not good, but like an interesting foil or something. I don't mm-hmm. know. The one woman from the calendrical heresy people. Oh, the yeah. One, she always ends her like little letters that are included throughout the book. She always ends them with. Yeah, that was fun. Yours and calendrical heresy. Right. And hers were always kind of like the little bit of like humor or right. fun spurs throughout the book. Exactly. And then she just gets killed off with well, like off, very little they, ceremony. They kills off everybody. Everybody's dead. It's, and it's There's like, a reason why we've only talked about two characters because there's basically only two characters that actually yeah, everybody else. Everybody else is murdered. There's like one other dude who's... In, often in brutal fashion. Yeah. There's one other immortal dude who was like a psychopath. Um, right. A sociopath. I never remember. Sociopath. That's what they said. They, which one is which? Uh, the technical definition in this is sociopath. Okay. Um, according to this book. Okay. Well, he's, yeah, he's also immortal and he is also like terrible, but they're working against each other and together yeah. in an attempt to yeah. push each other to overthrow by it's various It's very means. like court intrigue yeah. type shit, except in it's space. Too, it's too big. Yeah. Um, Maybe start smaller. So yeah, that's the thing. Like, that's why I was kind of torn about this book because I like a lot of the way it's written. Mm-hmm. I like a lot of the way things, various things are set up. You know, you get, you know, I mean, I'm not in a place of 
giving cookies for having a queer character or anything these days, especially. But like you know, never hurts. It, is, uh, it does not hurt. <laughs> I live in the future, and so like, uh-huh. like I now I expect it as opposed to just like being like, oh snap, right, right, isn't that cool? Um, you and Holly is trans, and I always like to support trans people look shout out like read dragon pearl the, yeah uh, i don't Rick- dislike everything by you Lee. this book is just uh the dragon pearl which is the rick riordan book well it's not a rick <laughs> it's like brought to you rick by Riordan. rick riordan's rick, like rick, rick riordan looked up one day and was like all right what if i just brought every brown every... woman on the planet yeah. please come to me and bring me your stories and i will give you money for the face like i looked up, i looked up one day i wasn't paying any i wasn't paying are you a person own- of color? Are you a woman or trans? Mm-hmm. Rick Riordan has a place for you. <laughs> right. I looked up one day and I was like, Rick Riordan books, because, you know, Mariah likes them or whatever. Yeah. And I, was, and I was just looked up and it was like, okay, it says Rick Riordan. Yeah, yeah. But then like, that's a native lady. That's an Indian lady. That's a Korean person. This is another. Like just down the list, it's like just scrolling down. Like, good God! Like uh-huh. it's just. Uh-huh. Oh, he just went and did all the shit. All right, cool. That's, that's that's like the definition of using your privilege for good, right? Sort of shit. Um, uh, so shout out to Rick. But yeah, yeah. Ja- the Dragon Pearl. I thought I had an infinitely better time with the mm-hmm. Dragon Pearl book mm-hmm. than I did with Nine Fox Gambit. Yeah, it's a little more. It's a, it is more. Of a, it is also more of a kids' book. Yeah, but like. It's a hoot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's spa- it's science fiction with magic. It is like almost. <laughs> it is like well, the reason why is the reason why it's so whatever is because it's but a less science fiction book. Extreme amounts of mass murder. Significantly less mass murder. Um, uh, it is a military science fiction book in space with with foxes <laughs> <laughs> involving foxes. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, and I had a significantly better time with that yeah. than I did so, with um, Nine Fox Gambit. I guess the the the. Takeaway message of this book of this podcast about Nine Fox Gambit is go read uh, Dragon Pearl. Yeah, go read Dragon Pearl. Yeah, <laughs> instead, of, instead of reading Nine Fox Gambit. But uh, right. yeah, <sighs> that was a hoot. I didn't hate the book though. No, um, no, I feel like we're very negative about it. So you want it to be better. The problem I is want you it want to it to be better. better. Yeah. Um, and it's probably an issue of expectations because I'd heard so many good things about it, and I like mm. I said, I went into it with some early comparisons to things that were like all-time faves right um but i'm probably gonna be the next two maybe we'll come back around to it and see how we feel maybe 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 it'll be an opposite um sort of conclusion than the um decision Lee Lee books. books yeah <laughs> where i love the first one and the so second good. two just ruined everything Ooh, awful terrible i hate everything about it yeah um but our next podcast is probably going to be about the first two books in the um mm. They have a name for I don't care. There's a name for the series. Olivia Waite is the author. Olivia Waite, and they're about lesbians doing science in the past. Yeah. In and like England in like the eighteen late eighteen hundreds. Gay for each other. Correct. So we're probably gonna do two the, books, yeah. one podcast. Oh no. Ladies Guide to Celestial Mechanics. It's the first one. And the care and feeding of Waspish widows. It's the second one. Did I get that out? Wow. Yeah. It's going to be more eventually, but we're going to talk about the first two. Right. All right. So we're going to circle back around with that. I don't know why I said circle back around. And because you're in a you're in a work meeting, it's time to get off this podcast so you can go to class. Yep. True facts. All right. This is what being.